Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast. I am your host, Misty Little. Today's episode is actually being recorded in mid-January, um, and I'm going to have it out probably at the end of the month. Um, and it's <laughs> not what I originally intended to have for the month. I had an interview scheduled with a internet friend, um, and <laughs> due to some user error and me getting the hang of Skype uh, calls and podcasting, we had some problems. Um, so we're going to end up re-recording that at a later date and actually probably talk about something a little different than <laughs> what we originally talked about. Um, so I hope to have that maybe for you guys in February, but today I actually wanted to record something that I actually kind of recorded once before. I didn't really like the result. It was me rambling a little bit, um, which I'll probably end up doing again today, but I thought I would kind of talk about, I guess, um, adjusting expectations, (laughs) Uh, in regards to changes, life changes. And in particular, for me, um, it would be having my son back in September of 2014. And I know this really could be applied to many other people in other aspects of their lives too. Um, in regards to getting older and maybe illness, our moving, having to face to leave a garden behind, um, all those kind of things. I mean, I've, I've left a garden behind before, so I, I understand selling all, all my plants and, you know, ones I had grown fond of and, you know, had nursed from, you know, seed to, to tall sapling tree and, and plants that we had loved and loved and loved and having to get rid of them. So I've been through those, those life events too. Um, so the biggest one was obviously adjusting to, well, going from having ample amounts of time to devote to gardening to having (laughs) almost no time to devote to gardening. And it's not even necessarily the time it was, it was also the mental space and the patience to deal with that. So in going into having our son, um, I think we probably had a little bit of a, probably a cocky attitude. Um, I think we probably thought we were going to be able to handle things a lot more and a lot better than we actually did. So yeah, (laughs) a little bit cocky and we had friends, obviously we were kind of one of the last group uh, in our group to have children because we were in our mid thirties and, you know, most everybody had gotten that done in their twenties and earlier thirties. And, um, we did have a lot of people asking about, Hey, can you guys help us out? I mean, they weren't necessarily asking. It was more of like a jovial, Hey, I'm envious of you guys doing your gardening. Come help me build, build my own. Um, and I think, we definitely chalk that up to people having different priorities. Um, and I, I guess we kind of thought, Hey, yeah, you can garden. It's not that hard. Um, and it's not that hard, but it is hard. 
Um, so it's definitely a kind of wake up call after the fact that no, no, we can't do it all. Not with children, um, or young children at least. Um, and we only have one, so I can't imagine (laughs) people who are able to manage so much and juggle it all. Um, there's no such thing as juggling at all. I know that, you know that, um, but who can have hobbies such as gardening and have kids? So as I said, um, my son was born September, 2014. I ended up with a C-section, um, which was unplanned. So, you know, I'm recovering. It's end of summer here in Texas and we're heading into fall and I'm recovering from, you know, major surgery and nursing a child and trying to take care of this, this little baby who needs constant attention. And, um, I took eight weeks of maternity leave and my husband took two and I know we spent a lot of time on his paternity leave, um, doing chores and yard work, which I was incredibly envious of, um, because for the most part through my pregnancy, I had tried to do as much as I could outside. Um, it was pretty dang hot in the summer, um, which it's Texas. So obviously, and I had a lot of swelling, so I did try to take it easy and do things when it was a little cooler in the evening, but except for the last few weeks, I was pretty much, I would mow the lawn, I would pull weeds, um, I did just about everything except for some heavy lifting, and going from (laughs) doing all that, even while pregnant, to like not being able to do much because of physical um, constraints and mental constraints was very much a wake up call. And, um, it was, it was hard. It was very hard to adjust. And so after that first month and I got cleared to do, to do exercise, um, by the doctor, um, I would take advantage of nap times (laughs) and try to go outside when I could. And so I spent some time weeding and doing what I could without trying to hurt any incision scars and that kind of thing. But, you know, then it quickly became late fall and I returned to work. And by the time we started adjusting to new routines of daycare pickups and before, you know, getting things ready for daycare before work and, um, working all day long, uh, and all that kind of stuff, it, it was kind of difficult. And another thing that I was trying to also do was get healthy again. And that was exercise. And my evenings, I felt between taking care of a baby and getting him down for the night and having dinner and chores and all that stuff. And I mean, by this time it's winter and it's dark at 530, um, down here. I'm sure it gets dark earlier the further north you go, obviously, um, so for us, you know, any chance of gardening after dark, after those few minutes between, um, coming home and going in for dinner or our shot. And I'm also trying to exercise. And so my lunchtime hour, which we happen to work pretty close to our house. I previously would garden at lunch as well as my husband would do, you know, little 
chores, even if it was just walking around the yard to see what's going on, what's blooming, what needs help, or just, you know, sitting and relaxing, um, I started taking advantage of my lunch hour as a workout opportunity. So that meant I often would stay at work um, and do stuff there so that way I could maximize my hour. Um, and then later on this year, I, I, I've joined the gym, which, uh, so that takes up my time. So it's this prioritization, um, and, and things suffer and gardening suffers, um, which is very frustrating for me. And I'm sure it's frustrating for other people who've had to try to juggle that as well. Um, and it might not be such a big deal if we didn't have such a large, I know it's not that large to some people, but a large tract of land, which is a little over an acre. Um, it feels, feels difficult to get it all done all the time. So needless to say, it does not get done all the time. Um, I'm gonna give a little shout out to, uh, Jolene. She had asked a question about being able to manage it all. And she has a little suburban lot in New York, um, state, and I know I told her flat out that we don't do it all. We can't, <laughs> we try and, but we have other things we like to do too. And right now in this stage of our life, it's just not going to happen. And, and the toddler is getting better about being outside for a long time. Um, when he was really little, I could put him in the stroller and he just kind of move or play a little bit. And, you know, I might get 20, 30 minutes out of him before he started fussing either, you know, for a dirty diaper or needed to feed or just plain bored in that position. Um, so we did that for a while. And then there was a period of time where I just felt like, I mean, he just was kind of difficult to have outside. Um, and then eventually we would put him in playpen for a while. Um, and that worked, but <laughs> he also wanted attention. So we we're constantly going over and it was a very distracted setting. It wasn't, it wasn't what we were used to of being able to get out and spend four or five hours in the yard working hard and, and just focused on one thing. Um, so our, our, we were definitely, our focus was different. But, um, now he is starting to get a little bit better. Um, but he's also still in the stage of shoving things in his mouth that don't belong like rocks and fungus covered plant labels, <laughs> things like that. Um, so he doesn't quite understand not to put things in his mouth. So, you know, the closer we get to two and after that, you know, we could bring things out for him to play with in the garden as well. But, um, it's been an adjustment period and the garden has suffered and things have died and gotten overgrown. And we had a vegetable garden last summer that became a weed garden. So, you know, that's just how things are. Um, it sounds easy to, <laughs> it sounds easy for me to be saying now, but I know then I was I was kind of frustrated and upset about it. Um, it definitely kind of, I don't know what the words are, but 
definitely was one of those things that put pressure on myself a little too much. And, you know, I didn't really say a whole lot to my husband because he decided to do an indoor project for the summer. So he was obviously not focused on the garden either. He was focused on getting this indoor project done before uh, our son's first birthday and we had guests over. So it was just, it was hard. (laughs) Um, that's all I can say is that we all can't do it all the time and hopefully things will pull through and, and then again, maybe they, maybe they won't, you may, may lose some plants and you may have to cut back on the amount of land you, you'd grow, or you may have to put some more perennial plants there that can survive neglect. Um, and you may have to buy stuff at the grocery store instead of growing your own. Um, that's just how it goes. And, um, it's an acceptance, a bit of acceptance. That's for sure. Um, I think I'm going to switch gears now because I think I've kind of rambled on enough on that and talk a little bit what's going on here in mid January in Southeast Texas. So we had that warm spurt in December, which was great. Um, and had me thinking I was still living in Florida, (laughs) but we obviously got the cold front around Christmas. Oh, it was right after Christmas. We got all those, uh, the cold front come through, started having, Eh, 30s and 40s temperatures and the other night we kind of had our first real freeze which was about 30 degrees and I was actually surprised that nothing really looked like it got hit too hard we have a Mexican flame vine which always puts on a ton of growth but takes forever to bloom and actually two years ago we had so we actually so three years ago we planted a Mexican flame vine Mexican flame vine and it got totally wiped out by the freeze. And so we bought another one and that was two years ago. This one has made it through the last two years and, um, has, I I think it, I don't even think it bloomed last year, but (laughs) of course it starts trying to put on a bloom, like, right. It's about, we're about to have this freeze. So totally crazy. Um, and I did notice a little bit of frost, uh, bite on it, if that's the right word, frost damage. And we'll set to see how that pulls through. If it's going to make it through, (coughs) excuse me, if we have any more freezes, which usually February is our worst month. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Um, the Brugmansias, which are giant, like huge shrubs at the moment, um, did not look like they got hit at all. I mean, they've been losing some leaves just as general kind of dormant type period, but, um, it is not, it did not turn to mush like they usually do in a freeze. So again, we're just going to have to kind of wait and see if we have multiple nights of deep freezes, if we ever get any ice, um, any of that kind of stuff. And that again is going to be probably February will be the telling point on that one. Maybe early March. We get that. That was two years ago. We got a really nasty um, ice storm in early February, uh, early March. And <laughs> so what else is going on? Chris trimmed some of the cherry laurel um, 
that was just on the neighbor's side. The neighbor has a really um, overgrown lot, and they don't do anything with it. Um, so this we've been trying to just kind of trim what hangs over our side, but this one tree was really close to the fence, and it was being really ridiculous um, shading, giving putting too much shade and growth over our beehive. And um, Chris went over and trimmed that down. <laughs> um, and I started trying to trim up a few things, flowering maple, pulling some weeds. We need to go through and do a really good um, cleanup of the garden from fall. But I haven't really done a whole heck of a lot of that. Just been pulling weeds here and there. And uh, that's at least in the flower garden. The vegetable garden, kind of the same thing. Been pulling weeds here and there as I chase a toddler. Um, what's growing in the vegetable garden, at least, all the bok choy. I had some little miniature bok choy as well. That's all flowering now. Um, and it's usually one of the first to flower in the vegetable garden. Um, so I actually picked a bunch of the leaves. I don't know, week and a half ago, and it freezes really well. If you rinse it off, dry the leaves off, I just shovel them a bunch of baggies and put them in the freezer. And then I break off chunks of it and put them in green smoothies. I really like bok choy in green smoothies. I think it's pretty mild and it tastes really pretty good. Um, and we personally use a Vitamix and we've used a Ninja before. I just, and I know some people say the ninjas are great, but it just still left chunky green pieces in my smoothies. And I'm sorry, I don't want to chew, <laughs> chew my smoothie. Um, and my mom was nice enough to get us Vitamix and it blends it up really good. And anyway, bok choy, if you're looking for something different in your smoothies, I highly recommend it. So that's blooming. Um, I need to pick the rest of the radishes and do something with them. I pickled a couple of them recently, um, and I might pickle some more and just give them out to some coworkers. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with the radishes. Um, we just don't eat a ton of them, and I don't eat a lot of salads. I should eat more salads, but I did have some kale. The kale is getting good. It's the purple Russian, I think that's what it is. Um... And it, or red Russian, I don't know what the, what, what it is, but it's a pretty common variety. And I did make a kale salad, uh, massage kale salad with some tarragon vinegar, a little bit of kosher salt and some olive oil and just kind of rubbed it in. And it's really good. I love having that in the winter. Um, there was mustard growing. The collards aren't really big enough yet. Um, Carrots are doing okay. All the sugar snap and the peas are coming up. They haven't gotten too big yet, but they're doing pretty good. Cilantro, we got two varieties. One was like a big seeded variety, I believe. Um, so I'm actually going to let, when those bolt, I'm going to save the seeds. And so I have some coriander and grind it up and have some fresh coriander. It's kind of one reason I got the big seed of variety. Um, so it's cilantro. Parsley is doing pretty good. We got oregano, which is perennial, just hanging out, doing great. And I've got three tomato 
plants that our um, volunteers from last year. I have no idea what variety they are going to be, but I decided to let them stay. Um, they popped up in our perimeter beds, and I think if they can make it through this next two months, um, they might be pretty pretty hardy. And I want to see which um, varieties they are. Um, but I'm not going to... Actually, I take that back. Probably I'm going to start some seeds. I went through and organized our seeds uh, another week ago and um, found we have so many seeds that we keep buying things. Uh, we see a squash. Oh, I need my squash seeds. Well, we really don't need squash seeds or tomato seeds or goodness, basil. Um, there's a ton of seeds that we just don't need, but we have tons of. So I'm going to probably plant a few tomatoes, um, but we're going to end up buying probably most of our starts this year again. I just don't want to baby a ton of seeds um, right now. And January is the time for us to start our tomato seeds here in Texas, um, at least my region. And I mean, probably most regions of Texas um, and probably most regions of the South. <laughs> and it's beyond time for Florida. You should have started them in September. Anyway, at least South Florida. So, I don't remember what varieties I pulled out. I think I pulled out Everglades and Sun Gold and, oh, maybe Saber Ukraine um, or Striped Roman. I don't remember. One of those kind of paste tomatoes. But we should be able to find a pretty, pretty good choice of uh, heirloom tomatoes at the farmer's market. Or not the farmer's market. Actually, take that back. They do have some at the farmer's market, but uh, that's not always there but at the uh, plant nursery. See, I'm rambling. This is what happens when I <laughs> get on here by myself and don't have anyone to talk to. Um, I think that's about it in the vegetable garden. Oh, we did harvest some cauliflower from a plant that we bought um, at our nursery, local nursery, and I did use it in a recipe um, from the Baker Creek uh, Baker Creek um, recipe book <laughs> and it was actually really good it's a broccoli potato casserole and so I used a little less broccoli and added some of our cauliflower in and um super super good and the Baker Creek uh cookbook is all vegan because uh the uh, owners are vegan and when I, before I was pregnant, I was vegetarian. Um, Chris was mostly vegetarian, but I was vegetarian for about two years. And, um, so that was one of the reasons we got that cookbook and I'm trying to work more vegetarian recipes back into my diet. And so that is a resource um, for us to use is that cookbook. So far that recipe was great. Um, so just trying to do that. Um, what else is around the garden? Not a whole heck of a lot. Um, if we don't have any freezes, there's going to be a lot of growth to kind of cut back to go into spring because a few plants have taken over, such as the pineapple sage, um, our pink banana, flowering maple is crazy. Um, I cut back cassia, corombosa. I always want to call it... Um, something else. I always want to call it a, um, oh my, the Texas mountain laurel, the name for that, a Sephora. 
Um, I always want to call it Sephora Secundiflora, but that's not correct. It's the Cassia. It kind of got a little crazy too. So I'm having to trim that back a little bit, but so thanks for listening to this episode and me talk a little bit about gardening, uh, changes and a little bit about what's going on in my garden here in January. Um, don't forget to go to iTunes and leave a rating and review. So that way, you know, more people see this podcast and subscribe, please subscribe, tell your friends. Um, also, if you can also listen to it on the website, the garden or you can email me at the garden path podcast at gmail.com. And, um, you can also find me in stitcher. So until next time, I hope you guys have a great end of January. 2016 is so far doing pretty good. I think. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.